Hello, and welcome to the Professional Insights Podcast. I'm Brandon Curry. I'm Jeff Collins. Josh Bond. And Trevor Lindy. What's going on, boys? We don't have the flow going today. Summer. It's recording in the middle of summer. (laughs) Nobody wants to be in the house right now. I'd rather be at a beach, a pool. Well, it looks like you've got the pool set up behind you. You got the pool set up behind you, so go outside and uh, enjoy that pool. That's you record right pool. from the pool side. You apparently don't understand that's a fake pool, eh? Fool, no, I kind of figured that was oh. a fake pool. You can see yeah. nothing oh, moves my, my ever. Always come perfect on, light. I know that. Yeah, it looks like Curry's backyard, actually. It's kind of got the nice pool and the yeah. balcony and stuff. Yeah, well. No, you know, nice you always try to you always try to emulate me. That emulate me. That's that's for sure. We already know. We already know that. I'll do right? it right now. I'll do it right now. Yeah, yeah. Keep playing. Keep playing. No, um, no dude, get so, it right. It's only one hand. It's only one, one hand. hand. Two years, buttons. Such a, yeah, that that's years of evolution. I can't hit that in day one. That's right. I suck at technology. Jesus. <laughs> What was I going to say? Uh, so everyone, thanks for listening and all that jazz. We really appreciate you guys sharing, caring, following, and resharing and all that stuff. Please keep the topics coming. Uh, we have, we've had a lot of act, action on that front, which is kind of nice. So we are going live uh, in, in July, just so for people with context, depending on when, July of 2022, depending on when you're actually uh, listening to this. So, um, hence the topic inflation and slash recession and advice week. This is kind of the um, relaunch of life summer though, right? Cause we haven't had summer in two years either. So it's a, uh, it's an interesting summer. Yeah. But well, we stayed on honest. zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, li- I like it on zoom. It's not bad, but like, did anybody go to that, that born and raised concert this weekend or last weekend? We know you did. No. Oh, it was awesome. It was great. It was great to see in Montebello park and all that. It was packed for four days. I had a great time. I didn't Good get COVID showing. from it at all. Good showing, yeah. Oh, it was great showing. Great. The beers were reasonable priced, I guess, but it was a good time. That's awesome. What about you, Trev? You were, did you hit up a concert recently? Uh, not that, no, that. but uh, uh, that's Jack a Johnson. Too, uh, ooh, that's oh, that's a good concert. Week? Where's that? That was at uh, Budweiser Stage. Mm-hmm. Aren't so you more of an Incubus kind of guy? On Tuesday. I love Incubus as well. I yeah. love my pop music. Went yeah. to Dave Matthews a few weeks ago. Jack Johnson. That's a good concert. Next one up, Rage Against the Machine. Oh, where's that? Can't wait. When uh, I've got tickets, I've got tickets for the Toronto one on the 21st. See, I can't stand going to Toronto for concerts anymore. I like yeah. that Niagara's the- starting to bring shows like Montebello Park. Bring it back every weekend. That's that was the best. With the Meridian Center. Oh, that's that's what we need more of. That's what Niagara needs more of. I don't want to drive the drama. We're supposed to go to the well, Sons. Sweet. Like I just do the go, right? So I go Niagara to Burlington Go, and then Burlington Go either like if it's at Budweiser Stage, get off at Exhibition. If it's a Jays game or um, Rage is at at uh, Scotiabank Arena, mm-hmm. so take it right into Union. But you know, you're talking for. It's 25 bucks a person for a day pass to take the go now. What's what's the concert tickets for Rage? Oh, I don't know. It's got 100 plus, plus, right? Yeah. 300's ringing a bell for a pair of tickets. Oh, my God. 
That's bought it back in 2019. Started at $100. $10 $10 starts for a beer, starts at $100 for a ticket. Well, it was funny because we got uh, on on the Canada Day weekend, took the kids up to see the Jays game. First, nice. first, yeah. So they won that free, too. he says it with like a, a twitch too. They like. won that game too, eh? No, well, not the game that he no. went to. No, no they, they lost in a row. Too. Yeah, you went the to the on Friday one. Day. Yeah. So you're saying yeah. Curry, Curry, Curry curses the Jays is what you're saying? Well, 100%. no, that was fine. I didn't, I didn't care about that. I think the big thing was just on, on the like we still managed to to spend three hundred bucks on free with free tickets. Yeah. Right and. The tickets were the best tickets I've ever had, which are four rows behind home plate. Ooh, but that's nice. your point is very nice. Great, great, great seats. Amazing seats. But we took the go up. And on the weekend for July, for the Canada Day weekend, um, it was only 10 bucks an adult to travel on the Sunday round trip. And 50 nice. the entire weekend. So you couldn't really, you can't beat that. But, but to your point, Jeff, get in there and it's like, $18 for a beer or $22 for spirits or it's ridiculous. Like yeah. you're 150 bucks to get a buzz to bring the oh, kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah, I brought, we brought the kids. Yeah. So like it was 50, 60, well, yeah, 50, 60 bucks for rounded pizzas. That's all we had pizzas and some drinks and whatever. Anyway, no street meat. You got to hit street meat. Yeah, that's what you do. Street. No, meat, I didn't boom. get the help. No. Yeah, I know. I know. I wanted to, but uh, it's the kids. So you got to be, you know, gotta be careful yeah, you, on that one you don't want to be in the toilet the whole time then. no not at all but that goes to that goes to what we were talking about like inflation and recession um and advice week so we'll that's a, actually a pretty good segue because that's what we were talking about so um i think our new thing yeah. is we're going to start an update on all our industries and then we go on to the topic right that was what we were talking about we were doing yeah. when there's a do. yeah yeah no well, I got a good okay. story about real estate. Go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. I think, that was a, I think, I think he's just chomping. That was my own there. personal segue for it. Yeah, so. your own personal segue. But but, but I, I wanted to talk about uh, um, seller's direction in, in uh, real estate. That's something that's new out there. Um, not everybody understands that. Um, but the times are changing in real estate where the market used to be seller's direction for no offers until. Uh, now you're starting to see seller's direction of 24 hours irrevocable or 48 hours irrevocable on, on a listing. Um, now you're seeing price drops consistently happening. And I want to kind of talk to people about the fact that the market's slow right now, but also look at what's happening, that that we haven't had a real summer in three years now. This is the first summer we've had where it's almost back to normal. So people are going to beaches, people are going to concerts, people are going to Jays games. There's no restrictions or anything like that. So it's a very distracted buyer's market. And they're talking about the market really dropping, but it's, it's like this every July. So it's different. But I wanted to talk about a story of a recent listing that I had to show you what could potentially happen and, and how you do it properly. I try to always do it properly or I do it always properly, but I had a listing recently. I'm not going to say the address, the person or like that, but I'll talk about the particulars where it was a, and some, something I talked to you about, Bond, it was a, a house that could be fixed up and flipped. So there's potential to make money there. Um, what I did was listed at, at $399 um, and we put down offers anytime. But seller's direction, which must be given in writing, said any offer had to have 48 hours irrevocable. Okay. And the reason you protect this is to protect your client. So I had a showing that I brought the client through, the buyer. They liked it right off the bat. They said, you know what? I like it. I'll give 389. Uh, instructed me. He wanted me to drop my commission by 1%. That was part of the offer, which I have to present. 
um, and then a closing of 21 days. You know, an appealing offer in a market that's kind of slow. But I instructed them that with seller's instructions or direction, any offer had to have a 48-hour irrevocability. Okay, and the reason you do that is to make sure that that's not the best. That that's the best offer you can get within the next two days. So as soon as the offer was put in, the clock had started. So the offer was given to me about a six o'clock on, let's just say a Saturday. I don't remember the day it was. Six o'clock on a Saturday, and we had until Monday at six o'clock to get the offer. Okay, and the guy wanted it done real quickly. I said, "Well, if you want it done real quickly, you know, you don't you don't negotiate. You give them the, the full price." And they wanted to do that because I have my client's best interest in order. So lo and behold, more offers came in, right? And his his direction to me or, or, or sales tip to me as a listing agent was, if you accept this offer, the client gets a decent price, they save a little bit of commission on it, and then we'll fix it up and resell it in four months, and you'll get your 5% commission for that, which I, I retorted, you know, that's great. That's great for me. I'm not necessarily going to get 5% because half the commission goes to the buying agent. But it was a lot of potential commission for me. But when you're doing real estate properly, it's not about how much money the agent's making. It's about how much the person you're representing is making. So the seller, that's great that I would get paid quite a bit. But is that the best offer I could get on the table for them? Essentially, it was like a 394 offer all said and done um, because the drop of commission on 1% would be about $4,000 approximately like that. So it worked out to about a 394. Anyways. The, the house went back up. You know, it's still on the market. We have an offer in hand, waiting for two days to show it. Three more offer, four more offers come in, other agents. So I'm not making as much commission, but it doesn't matter because my best interest is for my seller. This was a referral. I cannot in any way, shape, or form screw my I got to have their best interest in mind. So lo and behold, three more offers come in. It ended up coming in at the winning offer was 410. It was a, um, three days of financing, and it was a three-week close. So it was quick on close, lower carrying costs. The net gain for my client ended up being about a difference of $15,000 in their right. hands. And that's why you do seller's direction, right? You instruct your seller what to do to make sure their best interest is in mind. And when you have a house that would be highly desirable, you want to make sure that if you get an offer right away, that that's the best offer. And I priced it according to sell where I thought the market was. And I told you, Bond, that you know, this is something I thought would be good for you, but I couldn't just say, here, take this, yep. you know, let's screw over my seller and all that. If it didn't work out in the first week, I would have come to you and come to some other people that are interested. As soon as I put on Facebook, everybody wants a flip house. Seven days. And it's seven in that days. price range. I said, seven, I said seven days will go by and we'll see if it's the best interest. But the the, the end of, of the result was that there was more money in my seller's pocket, less money in my pocket. But if you look at the grand scheme of things, you always want to take care of your clients, whether if it's your seller, you want to make sure you get the best price. If it's your buyer, you want to make sure it's the best property for them to buy. So, for example, and I've talked to Trevor a lot about this right now. I find it's a buyer's market. They say it's a balanced market. I find it's a buyer's market right now. The reason it's a buyer's market is because every time you do a showing on another agent's thing, within five minutes of leaving the property, they want to know, is there interest? Do they like it? You know, you want to put an offer and blah, 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 blah. To me, that's a buyer's market. When it's a seller's market, Nobody even wants feedback. When it's a buyer's market, everybody wants feedback, right? Prices are dropping. You've got a little bit of options. I'm showing a house to, to a client right now, and there's we've looked at, I'd say, 30 houses in the last two weeks. And it's always, well, there's new ones coming up. They're a little bit better priced. The prices are dropping. So really, at this point, I don't want to pay full price on almost anything. 
I want to get a little bit of negotiation for them to see if I can save a price. What's that? The fact that you sold them 30 houses is uh that that's real. See, people don't see this behind the scenes. There could be 30 houses I showed to them that could not even work out to a payday, you know. It's it's stuff like that. You know, people think that they're only paying the agent when they're selling the house, but if you're the buying agent, you're doing tons of work for it too, right? Like you're showing houses consistently. You should be pointing out defects as an agent to make sure they understand that before they buy it, right? And the defects right now are preventing houses to be sold because people say, well, I could buy this house or this house has no issues. I'll wait for that one to come up. It's kind of a delayed market. There's a lot of speculators out there saying, okay, what's coming up next week? What's coming up next week? Or the price is going to drop. So there's, it's hard to get a buyer to commit to an offer right off the bat. It happens still. just depends on how you price it, right? So I'm in the case of a person who, you know, they felt two years ago when they sold, they missed the big boom. So they missed a little bit of money. They had rented for a couple of years. It was more of a, a split, you know, so it happens and it's, it's part of real estate, unfortunately. Um, but now they're looking to, I think there's a lot of buyers out there looking to get their pound of flesh because, you know, a lot of people have been overpaying for a bit and now they're coming back with a vengeance a little bit and they want to negotiate and there's negotiable terms out there. There's negotiable terms on price. There's negotiable terms on what you want the person to do. There's people waiting, waiting, waiting to see if the price is going down. Um, it's, it's, it's a time for some agents that can, can sharpen their pencils when they're looking to buy. But, you know, the moral of the story is that I was talking about seller's direction and the advantage for that when you're selling a house is that you should follow suit. So just because it's advantageous for the selling agent to make more commission, if it's not advantageous for their seller, they shouldn't proceed in something like that. Now, okay. the flip side of that, Jeff, mm-hmm. I reviewed an agreement last night on a seven-figure seven uh, offer. Um, I, the client reached out to me directly. A lot of times, depending on who the agent is, we'll say, you know what, reach out to us directly. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable, this is an out of town, uh, client, um, buying in GTA. Um, I was, uh, on the volleyball court. So I got off the volleyball court around eight o'clock. Um, and the irrevocability was for 10. Oh, see, that's crazy. That's tough. Like irrevocability when it's a short window like that, especially in the summer, because you're, you know, you volleyball, you're coaching, you're at a beach, there's places where you don't have your phone or you can't bring your phone. Like two hours, right? it's almost, a, it's almost like a bully offer to me. Here's two hours to deal with it. That's it. If you don't like it. And, and when you're in a market like right now, say, okay, whatever, I'm not going to deal with it. But you have to, as the agent, you have to respect their irrevocability. But as the agent putting the offer in, like, give it a little bit of time. I'm negotiating on a medical building I got for sale right now, and it's a slow negotiation, right? So they're giving me two days, or they, they gave me an offer on on July, no, June 30th, the day before Canada Day, right? Which is a weekend. And this is real estate, you know. There's no boundaries on time. You, you hope you can respect other people's boundaries. You, I've gotten an offer before at midnight, and I had till 3 a.m. to deal with it. I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? Go throw rocks at my client's window? <laughs> There's nothing I could do, you know, I could almost take them to the point, like, but it is what it is, right? So they gave me an offer on, and this is the thing that happens in real estate. You give an offer on June 30th, and they gave me till July 4th to deal with it. What am I going to do as the listing agent? I'm not going to deal with it till July 4th. Why would I? Because if another person calls with interest, I can say I have an offer submitted. When someone's got an offer submitted, you don't tell them what the offer is. So it's leverage. You want to use that leverage when you're negotiating, right? So when I sign back, do I want to sign back with a short irrevocable? No, I give them two days. I give them 48 hours. Why? 
Because if someone else calls and they're trying to negotiate, which they definitely are, if they're calling, I'm going to use that offer as leverage. So now I've got a second party involved right now that I can't get on paper yet, but I'm trying to drive them for that because the second they put on paper and I've gone back and forth three times now, I could say you're in competition. Let's see how bad you really want it now. They might walk from that, but this is a, a new way of doing business that we haven't had in two years where you're using leverage again. You know, sellers had leverage. Now, now buyers kind of have leverage and you have that dance between buyer and seller. What can you do? But irrevocability, like someone gives you that, you got two hours to deal with it at night in the middle of the summer. That's crazy. dirty That's cool crazy. as far as but I'm concerned. Mind you, at the same time, you, it, when you're representing the buyers, you will try and push that envelope yourself though, right? If you've got a good offer, but if you're trying to negotiate, don't don't hold a gun to my head and say, hey, you got three hours to take the crappy offer. Correct. You know, if you got a good offer, sure. Three hours, I'm looking at something else. Take me you know, 30 minutes. Still, right. still, still tough because, you know, if you've got lawyer approval, you got to find the lawyer to, to find. you got to have the agent. you got to find the buyer or the seller, right? Like irrevocability is sometimes a dirty game that they use. And, you know, a lot of people sell a direction on their 24 hours irrevocability. So if it's seller's direction, they have to give it to us, you know, why? Because it's the summer. Why? Because, you know, uh, uh, this is why everyone laughs at me because I, I get, I get out of bed eight thirty o'clock, nine o'clock and all that. But, but I, I have to be by the phone until midnight because 1159 PM is like this dirty number that everyone's got to use. So you're sitting by the phone 1159 and they're waiting until 1157 to confirm it. And you got to be there to, to accept it and acknowledge it and, and email it and fax it back. And well, I'm not faxing. Everyone's doing that anymore. But you have to. And Always. if you don't with that timeline, you, you can kill away. a deal. You, you can kill a deal. Like when you've got a 3 a.m. irrevocability, that's the best. I love it. Like, sure. No problem. I'll, I'll go throw rocks at my client's head, house, you know, try to wake them up. You know, that's that's the problem. And, and the, the problem in summer, my one seller is in a cottage way up north. Do you think they got internet service when they're on the lake? No, and I'm not going to make them sacrifice their whole vacation. They want to sell it, obviously, but you know what? Life's too short. Enjoy your free time with your family. Sounds like they you need know? Starlink. Well, everybody needs Starlink. Like That's why I haven't moved in my freaking house. Eight weeks. Yeah. I'm not in my house trying to get internet. Eight weeks. That's all yeah, I need to move in my house. On itself, Jeff. I think. Well, Starlink, you can't get right away, though. They can't get anywhere. Our listeners have been following the saga of Jeff Collins. And the house that I'll never move yeah. into. I'll never Honest move into it. Honest to God, you have dragged this bloody thing out. Well, this is a lesson to be learned. If you're the builder, your Do house is prioritized <laughs> last. Start setting up internet as soon as you break ground. It's the mechanic that's got the shittiest car on the on the street, right? <laughs> that's right. So fixes his life. Getting uh, Collins, 100 percent you can get Starlink. The way around it is you have to sign up for Starlink for RVs. It's gonna yeah. cost you an extra 25 bucks a month, but they will get you a dish immediately. I can literally go and sign up you right now. You need to shit in your RV to get that. It's one of their little disclaimers on that for the deal. If you don't shit in your RV, you don't get started. Well, Trevor's not allowed to get it then. Elon Musk said no. There's, <laughs> there's other there's other options, Starlink, but Star. I want to be hardwired. This is the problem. What happens if it's a cloudy day or something like that? I don't know how good it's going to be. I got no internet on or something? Well, the neat it part is satellite is internet, right? Actually, it automatically moves. Oh, like to well, look up to the sky for the best yeah, angle. Yeah, Collins, you know it's a dish, right? 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I got satellite. satellite. I got a dish. I got satellite too, and I can't watch some of the games when it's all well, crappy. Yeah, but here's hardware, so I'll never go down. Here's another thing with Starlink: is the dish is also heated, so snow falls on oh, the dish, melts. Yeah. The, the Starlink dish warms up, melts. The I'm snow. like this close to getting anything besides Kojiko because seven weeks now, seven weeks, I'm gonna lose my mind. Like we're literally there on the weekends at our jacuzzi and doing a. Uh, campfire in a dirt pile because I've got no no grass. <laughs> At this point, I'm just laughing enough. Whatever, I'll get it. Yeah, happy, man. It'll be beautiful. It'll be oh, beautiful. it is beautiful. The problem is my current house isn't. <laughs> be my new house. <laughs> so can't wait to have the recording live from Jeff Collins's home. Yeah, I Trevor mean, can yeah, drive his RV there. We'll we'll do it in the RV in the backyard. It'll be perfect. But suddenly, you can park up there. Yeah, be enough for, the guy across the street's got an RV trailer uh, parking spot. <laughs> Anyways, let's do updates with the other guys. That's what I just wanted right. to say. Well, I mean, on your point, though, Jeff, I mean, uh, I had a clause, too, right? Uh, just the craziest of clause sometimes uh, you see in agreements of purchase and sale. And this clause in particular, um, we were on for the sellers, and the clause was inserted by the seller's agent specifically mm-hmm. because buyer's draft in most cases. Um, to allow the sellers to extend. Remember we talked about this, Jeff? Yeah. So it allowed them to extend to a to a particular, it was August 4th, uh, or a date to be agreed to uh, by the parties. Which is always funny. I find it agreed that's mutually agreed on, because one party could just say no. So what's the point of it? Because you could still do that as an amendment. So what's the point of that clause? As Nothing. long as both parties mutually agree, that's like saying, you know, like rain is wet here. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter at all because one party says, no, I'm not doing it. Then that clause is useless. hundred percent shit. It's the same as doing an amendment. hundred percent shit. So then our client's sitting there saying, okay, well, we want to push this a couple of days and we want to rely on this clause. <laughs> nope. Oh my God. Some of the clauses nope. are the best. That's oh, what's the best about you and John. I can call you at any time. What do you think of this clause? Garbage. Get rid of it. Okay, perfect. Like yeah. the one clause in this 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 property I'm I'm trying to get done. It's take over all the leases. Very simple. Take over the property, and we're not kicking anyone out. Yeah. It's commercial lease, right? Yeah. Sixty day clause we want for conditions on it. I'm like, okay. So you want me to tie up this property for sixty days without a firm deal at all, and then you can walk at the end of sixty days. Sure, that sounds reasonable to me. So I, I drop it to 21 days. So I'll give you 21 days. Fine, it's commercial building. You know, stuff you'll look into it. But they're like, well, we want to investigate the fire code. And I'm just, well, it's an existing house, you know, existing property. It's got to be up to date. Like, there's there's nothing really to look into. So we're fighting over just this condition, never mind the price. It's almost like they're using it as a smokescreen at the, the beginning. Give them their you know, time. To- give them their time and put an escape in that you can continue to offer it. And yeah. if you find something, then you push the pedal on it. Well, right now I'm trying to, to to get them a second offer and just say, you know, you want to screw around. I got you a better offer. Here you go. Sorry about your luck. Yeah. They probably think I'm lying about it, but this, when you're negotiating, you don't lie about it. That doesn't help you at all. You got to, you know, show some people. Uh, I'm told, I, I hint this. Look, there's someone sniffing around, and my goal here is to take the other offer and screw the other person because he's been gouging, gouging with little crappy deals. I love it. I my favorite thing in real estate is negotiations of it. I love it, and it hasn't been around for a while. It's that's back now. That's this is where you can you can find. I, that's what gets my blood boiling. I love it. Let's go. You know. So yeah. yeah. What a crazy clause, though. 
get nothing for the client, right? And no. they're looking at us going, okay, well, this is why we put this in. We're like, well, next time, let's have a take a peek at the. Well, the why, why not just put in a clause that if, if the buyer and seller agree, we can increase the price? You know, you put that in there too. It means nothing either. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. a useless clause. I don't know who would even write that. Um, oh. All right. So, Trevor. This 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 weekend uh, mortgages. This week in mortgages. Mm. Bank of Canada. We're gonna hear from them on the thirteenth. Yeah, high high likelihood rates will uh, will be going and, up for. Am I not right? The the rates in the states dropped recently. Did no, they increased. Okay, Bank I thought, was, I thought, they, thought that they dropped. No, U.S. Federal Reserve increased by three quarters of a point this month. Or excuse yeah. me, last month. Mm -hmm. and so that's why all signs are pointing to us going up as well. And aren't they saying mid-July and October? Uh, so our next meetings are July 13th. Uh, so expect an announcement at 10 a.m. like they always do. And then after that, the next date is uh, September 7th. So kids are back to school on the 6th. And then the meeting is on the 7th. So that's five next week. I see quarters of a point, I see, half a point. Yeah, I see. I see budget for three quarters of a point. Three quarters, eh? You think they're going to go? Yeah. See, I think I, I'm. I'm anticipating a bump. This, obviously, this go around. I think we all are, right? It's. I, I'm hoping for a point five, but I'm predicting September. They're not going to bump. Well, well something's. They're they're talking the Fed specifically because you know as they say, as you know, when, when the U S sneezes, Canada catches a cold. Yeah. Um, and we need to realize that they really control the game. They're, they're, they're calling potentially if the economy keeps going the way that it goes or it contracts, how they think it's going to contract. Um, we're looking at potentially rates being cut in H two of 2023. Hmm. Um, I think that's a bit, audacious that's too I, I just don't think inflation will be curbed enough or supply chain issues will be curbed enough to uh really you know gear off on inflation do you know what i mean yeah, but i let's just don't be think realistic, that's gonna happen though. right now what's driving inflation supply chain issues mm -hmm. supply chain issues and uh fossil fuels oil yes. and gas those yes. are the two and also uh travel three key areas that are driving inflation if if the bank of canada and all other central banks continue to raise rates does raising rates really impact those industries short answer no right they're not going to oh. be no not like, not directly i mean it just goes to people's individual spending right which generally speaking would allow less money for, for travel. Yeah. So, but then, then the supply chain factor, we have zero control over and the fuel we have zero control over. Right. So no, this is that. And that's the thing you, you hit the, you're hitting the nail on the head. They're, they're punishing the wrong people here. Um, they're just the, the reason why we have the high inflation that we have are supply chain issues and oil and gas end of story. Um, because the minute you increase, um, 
in Canada specifically, um, you know, minimum wage going up in October again to 1550 and in January in Ontario going up to $15. Um, that would have caused inflation to go up because, you know, there's your cost of goods for services, right? Going through, going up. Um, but the, the major sustained inflation is, is when you've got, you know, gas going, you know, it's costing people, oh my God, it's costing me $150 every two weeks. And I, and I, and I got an office to go into. (laughs) So like my gas bills have, have easily doubled. Um, so that like, and then I don't have the ability in my line of work to pass on those increases onto an end client. My, 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 my costs are my costs or what I charge is what I charge. So the good old gas surcharge on everything. Yeah. Like there's no gas surcharge or anything of that nature. But when you do that to a truck driver, right. Or to a farmer, there's all your produce that, that ends up going up. There's your transportation charges that ends up going up your restocking fees, anything you want to think of that involves shipping and handling, they all go up. So it, it, people think that because you've, increase the minimum wage or you've, you know, put a surcharge on, you know, gas or something like that in order to curb um, demand. The, the reality is it just keeps getting passed on to a, a on the customer. Yeah, so 100%. There's, there's nothing you can do about it because no one's going to take it. I mean, it's just not like you're going to turn, like, unless you've already had a contract signed, like to build a home, for example, and there's no escalation clauses in there no home builder is going to sit there and take it all on the chin. This is no. not going to happen. No. You're going to, you're going to pay more. They just keep passing it on because their mark, their margins have to stay the same. It's kind of like when I get really ticked off when I hear people talk about, Oh, um, you know, r- grocery stores increasing the prices and all this kind of stuff. It's just like, well, you need to put that comment into co- into context because they're increasing their pricing, yes, but everything's increasing because of inflation. So you can't turn around to a business and say, or to a home builder is a, is a better example. It's more, you know, easier for people to understand. Um, hey, we, you know, costs have gone up. Uh, no, you take the hit, you take less money. It's like, no, that's well, not how it works. See, there's some home builders out there that didn't have the right contract run up either, though, because that's this is different. such a difference of the ball game, right? Where there's a lot of them. We ate quite a bit of money last year, you know. So right. we, we could have we had an escalation clause in there, but it, we had to make the determination: do do we want to really piss off some people here and, and kill our brand, or do we want to eat a little bit of money here and still be profitable, but then proceed forward? But now, going ahead, we, we damn sure make sure here. Here's the escalation clause. You know, we're not we're not eating everything here. This is a, a fact of life when you're building. And, but and nor should you have to, right? Yeah. Why should you have to as the build? Like, it, it goes back to you know conversations that a lot of us have together about like entitlement of individuals, right? And feeling mm-hmm. that they're well, this is what why what right do you have to increase it? Well, hold on, like why do you feel that this company should eat the losses, right? Like the whole argument between, um, you know, self-employed, you know, corporations and things like that. And, you know, paying higher wages, I'm not against companies paying higher wages, but 
at the same time, we also have to look at, is it a small business? Is it a large corporation? Like, right. These things come into the mix. I'm well, all, I mean, for just, service. I'm all about fee for service, right? Like, you produce for me. I I, I don't care. I'll I'll pay you the, the star, the moon, the skies. I, at the end of the day, you get something done. You get it done well, and you get it done quickly. Well, I'll well, pay you. Well, to so, like yeah. to Trevor's point. I mean, like, and this this is leading into the inflation conversation, right? Like, this oh, we're deep in my, this conversation. Like, we're deep now. We're deep. Like, I mean, we're at the end deep. of the day, we're we're whiskey how deep. Many, how many meatballs were sitting on a couch? In- yeah. Q3 2020, not smelling that a recession was coming at some point in time. Yeah. Come on. Like the whole world shut down. If you don't understand the basics of macroeconomics, what are you going to do? Well, right? it's not so much. I, I Listen, I, I don't think I would have been able to have predicted an, a, a recession in Q3 of 2020. In Q3 of 2021, in Q3 of 2021, 100%. The Bank of Canada and the Fed should have started uh, raising interest rates a lot earlier than what they did so that people would have started to gear down their spending. You're right. I exaggerate, but I would say at the end of 2020. Yeah. Like when, like my whole thing was when vaccines were made available Mm. and, you know, the world was starting to open up to some capacity that we could see a glimmer of hope then that's when the Bank of Canada and the Fed should have started just a quarter of a basis point should have started raising and just going, guys, like, don't call my bluff. This is coming. Right. And they didn't. It was a smokescreen. Right. And so they, they waited and they said it was transitionary. No, it was going to be transitionary. 100%. I, I agree with Jerome Powell's initial comments of it being transitionary inflation being, um, but when we got into Q3 of 2021, I'm like, okay, this, if this something's not done, this thing's going to get out of control. Um, but to to Trevor's point, why should a business owner, a small business owner, um, eat the costs of inflation, significant inflation, the highest in 50 or 60 years in some jurisdictions, um, that that has nothing to do with them? So you've got, you're a small business owner, and this is what's happened in the last two years. You've, you've had in Ontario, let's say the province of Ontario and a couple of provinces throughout Canada, we've had minimum wage get increased just recently in Ontario in January of 2021 or 2022, it took effect, but it got announced in 2021 that minimum wage was going to $15. And then it got announced again in October of 2022, it'll get an increase to 1550 an hour. Okay. So right away, you've got two increases to your, your most variable uh, and costly expense, which is labor. Then you have, the last time I checked, my property taxes along with commercial property taxes keep going up. So oh, either, the mill rate, either, either the mill rate increases or your property value gets appraised and that gets increased. Either way, your property taxes go up every single year. Did you see St. Um, Catherine's mayor talk about property tax and he knows the problem coming because they haven't raised them in seven years and they said people aren't going to be ready for it. Well, it's not that they haven't raised them in seven years. It's these, these happened on, on four year cycles, mm-hmm. right? So the last time that MPAC has done anything of significance was 2016, 2017, 
Well, all of those property taxes have come due at the end of 2020, and then appraisals got canceled in 2020 and 2021. So now MPAC is <coughs> catching up and trying to do what should have been done in 2020 and 2021 all in 2022. So you're going to get a whack of people Free that are, are going to get a massive property tax increase, at least in the province of Ontario with through MPAC, um, in the next year. Because property taxes end up getting implemented, uh, at least in the city of St. Catharines, in July after the budget gets passed. Yep. This is going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. It's not going to be. It's not going to be. It's you know what I mean. Like I'm even having conversations with with my wife, going like uh, something's got to give. Like I told her, like when we, come September, we're going to have to redo our cash flow statement just to kind of make sure that we can still afford and do one of the things that we want to do because everything's increasing and i don't know when the hell you know this is all going to come right i'm so just sort of it's good to take a look but yeah for sure it's even more so based on current climate right uh, i gotta ask so you said september you're going to reevaluate the cash flow statement so are, are you handling this similar to how the bank of canada is with monetary policy spend 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 now july august get yourself to september then well, tighten up buy all your shit right now Right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. That's a really good, that's great advice, Trevor. That's phenomenal advice. Yeah. Yeah. Spend, spend, spend. It's not, it's it's not my advice. I'm just analyzing. You've said you're the financial advisor. here. How accurate was Tiff then? I'm just wondering this prediction. Oh, Tiff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean like, what's that about Tiff Mac? Yeah. We should just, predictions about what was he's saying some things were going to happen with the housing market well the night the nice part is the provincial party is in place the federal party is in place the beginning of the terms really and now all the pain is going to come and nobody can change this. well no and, and that's exactly it i think that's that's what a lot of people don't understand and so this is going to keep in these prices are going to keep increasing Mm-hmm. because small businesses like your water bill does your water bill goes up every year your you know your gas bill definitely now our gas oh, bills are going my go gas bill for my pool heater that i've been using for the last year and a half they're like oh yeah we just did an estimate of gas so here's a 983 dollar bill for you over the last year that that we were wrong because we couldn't measure your meter but now i gotta look into it if they're charging me at today's rate or when i was using it a year ago so that was nice oh here's screw you oh nice it feels yeah. like death by a thousand cuts, though, sometimes, right, to some people, right? And, I mean, just, Curry, to your example, just in terms of the contract, right, uh, like, from my perspective, you know, in, 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 you know, Jeff's contracts that we prepare and we give them the option of having that escalation clause, right? But could you imagine putting the shoe on the other foot where you negotiate yeah. that contract and the time that you negotiate that contract, the price is firm in your mind? Mm-hmm. That you're paying four hundred thousand, four hundred thousand, but four hundred thousand for a, for a house, right? You qualify on four hundred thousand. You go to the bank. Next thing you know, X, Y, and Z happens. It's not really the end user's um, fault either. It, something a little bit different than inflation. Inflation, one hundred percent. At the end of the day, you know what I mean. If it's costing me three more bucks for a for a snow cone, well, then the kids got to pay three more bucks for the snow cone. Mm-hmm. Right. But what I think happens is it costs me three more bucks for the snow cone and I throw in an extra 15 cents and charge the kid an extra 315 for the snow cone. And I say, bah, inflation. 
Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, I, think I love this price analogy. Going you on. Have... There's price gouging going on for sure. Do you have one of those slush puppy machines? Your kids have it and you're using it yeah. up front. The yeah, lawyer on the, uh, on the show has got to save we're some money someplace. Just so, while you're speaking of snow cones, last night we won a big baseball game in Thorold, and our game finished at 11 o'clock, so I bought all the players who wanted ice cream at 11 o'clock at night, an ice cream cone McDonald's. Nice. Order at the drive-thru. Go right to the drive-thru. says right there, if you have the McDonald's app, a dollar is an ice cream cone. <laughs> and so they don't even tell me it's – Two dollars, so I paid double, and there was like a big screw you right at the drive-through window when I paid. So we got a, we you know what I did? I turned around and went back to Wendy's. Got a, we got a, gents, we got a comment. Inflation. We got a a question actually from Twitch. As someone that is in accounting for a custom home builder, I have seen an increase in the outsourcing demand for trades. The demand for homes has dropped right off since the interest rate increase, and people are trying to back out of contracts at an alarming rate. Does anyone else see this? Uh, but let's go with the legal side first, Bondo. And then, yes. uh, is Collins really a, is, is he custom? Should he, should he be able to answer? We yeah. do custom. We do I'm just being a smart ass. We know yeah. you keep custom telling us. Spec. Yeah. 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 Here we More go. He's not only stuff. a realtor. He's also a home Also. Builder. Yeah. That and can't a father and a husband and a buddy and a podcaster and a coach um, and an RV shitter. The world's upside down. Not right? mine, though. <laughs> Not Jeff's. No, me and Curry are going to get you. We're going to get you. Uh, All right. Uh, uh, agreements. It's 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 literally uh, people are clawing and uh, all kinds, all kinds more than ever. Builder contracts. We're seeing it both sides. Builder um, kind of you know drawing things out. Uh, again, I won't throw anybody under the bus. They're not my client, but there's a local builder here that's ugh, not Grimsby area. I think that's run into some little bit of issues and all their builds are <laughs> backed up. Uh, so, you know, our clients are saying, well, what do we do? But there's protection, you know, for there's Terry on protection for them, too. protection for them yeah, in those circumstances. But yeah, no, it, it, all kinds of different people trying to get out of agreements based on the current financial climate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the problem. It's breach of contract, right? And, and people think it's yeah. just as simple as losing their deposit. It's much more expensive than that. It's not but that see, what, what had happened before, there's a society shifts too, right? So back, you know, for two years, Jeff, you know, what would you say if somebody who inked an agreement with you in 2018, in 2021, uh, for Q1 2021, said, "Hey, look, Jeff, I got to back out of this agreement. Uh, you know that you sold me this place for four hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, uh, are you okay with that?" Well, what I would look at as well is the house worth way more. If it is, sure. Oh, see you later. It. If it's not worth more, it's going to be like, no, no, no. We're not getting rid of it. Exactly. We're money. So it's so that's what's happened for two years. If somebody would have come to the builder. And said, "Look, I want to back out of this contract." The builder would have said, "Yes, absolutely. Yeah. See you later." And then turned a profit of a hundred, two hundred thousand. Now people are possibly still thinking that in, in this is the climate, um, but no, that legally speaking, they're not able to, and they're a breach of contract depending on the terms of the agreement, right? Well, p- people thought during the pandemic, which we have to keep in mind, like. <laughs> Once in a hundred years, this has happened, right? Since the last one before this, it might be more, more, you know, 
common coming up. Who knows? We don't know. But once in 100 years, so there's all kinds of things that are happening here. And people thought that real estate would just go like this forever, right? And and inflation has stopped it. They cooled the market. That was a big hot topic for the elections, right? we got to get affordable housing. The problem here in lies is, and, and my, my read on it, pandemic hit, there's a lot of pain coming. So they inflated all the house prices to distract people, right? Wow, houses going way up. I can borrow against my house. I can borrow. I can fix it up. Everybody's staying home. People overpaid for pools. People are overpaying for fences. People are overpaying. Anything trades-wise right now is crazy expensive. All the trades people are burnt out. They have nonstop business. The worm's going to turn on all this stuff, you know, mm-hmm. because more than likely recession's coming. It's almost what they want to have here. But they've inflated all the house prices. Now they want to deflate all the house prices. And there's going to be quite a few people who bought at the peak of it. And their price is not going to be worth close to that. So appraisals are going to come into play here. It's going to be an interesting thing. There's a lot of pain coming. There's a lot of pain. There's going to be a lot of pain in the next like year to 18 months. And I think Trevor can touch on this from a, uh, we'll we'll touch on this in a a bit because there'll be good advice from an an appraisal from the home equity line of credit problem that Hmm. Trevor and I have been tackling uh, off like with a couple of, you know, client questions. But I mean, looking at, uh, I think, I think the name is Island Girl 1980. I think that's who's commenting right now. So I apologize if I got your your handle wrong. Uh, but you know, she's mentioning that margin has dropped from 30% to 18%, uh, mainly because of poor contract writing, which is bang on. That's another issue. That's a that's a big one. So great. Yeah, nailed it. Island girl. Awesome. <laughs> um, it's like bumper stickers or bu- bumper stumpers. Yeah. That, 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 that was a killer show. Yeah, it was a great show. Yeah. It was a great show. I get to yeah, before it was bumpers to uh, bumper stickers, and now it's uh, now. It's I just talked about that last night. That they had that That's show. hilarious. I love. Yeah, I love that show. Um, mm. Now, yeah, like there's nothing really you can do uh, about it. I mean, well, if you if you uh, keep in mind thirty percent margin on a new build, that's an extreme profit margin, right? So eighteen percent is about more where it's it's typically been, right? So it's come back down to normal. So thirty percent is a that's a. Think about it. You buy a million dollar house and the builder's making three hundred thousand dollars. That's a that's a big one right there. So it, it is changing, right? So profit margins are coming back down to the more more normal, right? So Bondo, but, same question from same the the same listener. Uh, do you know a lawyer in the Kingston area uh, for a review of ENO? Maybe you could. Uh, do you know Aaron no. Bondo? No, I don't. Uh... <laughs> Ramble, yeah, away, ramble, ramble away. We don't care. Yeah. It makes That's it our podcast. It's called Rambling on. on. Yeah, we don't ramble care. on. Um, yeah. So uh, no, we don't. Sorry about that. We don't know uh, someone in the Kingston area. If there's anyone that's listening, no, no, no watching there, Bondo. I'm trying to think Kingston area. Who would? Uh, I do have a variety of areas, uh, but I don't think Kingston for, you know, anyone that's watching, listening, whatever, reach out to us, shoot us off an email and we'll connect you to, which is info at professionalinsight.ca. If I'm understanding her correctly, I think she's got errors and omissions. Yeah. Yeah. The the comment just being, I I just took over the controllership of the business. Nothing like taking over on the downslide of a home. (laughs) That's what you want to do. Because Here's the thing. It's coming back. It's mm-hmm. coming back. Like, you know, real estate, you, you, and that's the one thing that drives me nuts um, when we talk about either the stock market, the proper stock market, or or real estate in general. With, the, with you know, 
by and large, without like I'm talking on one hand in the last 130 years, including the Great Depression, you know, real estate really hasn't fallen off a cliff. The market did in in the 1930s. They did it again in in the early 70s and mid to mid to late 80s. But it's always bounced back, never like a, a crash where you lost everything. And unless you were in some fairly risky equities, right? And mm. some high, you know, high volatile equities. Oh, no. But, well, yeah, but that was a great fun. But that all bounced back within three yeah. years. We were right back to par. So it's it doesn't worry me. But to your point, Collins, if you've over leveraged yourself and Trevor, I think you should maybe touch on this. The HELOC piece that's coming down the pipeline in Q4 of 2022. Um, and is when they're looking no, at implementing it, it? Uh, it doesn't officially come into the fiscal year ending 2023. Okay. So, so basically year 2023 or calendar year fiscal year. So depending on the April financial 1st. institution, whether it's October 31st, December 30, uh, 31st, 2023, that's it. when it will be implemented. Um, okay. so quickly to just touch on that for anybody listening, wondering what the heck we're talking about. OSFI is the office of the superintendent of financial institutions. Um, they basically high level oversee everything happening with federally, federally regulated institutions. And what they have recently announced is, um, having to do with, uh, I forget how the, the terminology they actually use, but basically if you've got a mortgage with a home equity line of credit associated with it. They want to ensure that uh, the consumer's borrowability, uh, anything above 65% loan to value is non-advanceable and it has a principal and interest repayment to it. Um, so you can you know, have a, a line of credit product with your mortgage uh, as long as the loan to value is 80% or under. The line of credit itself can only be 65% of the total value, but you can have that uh, additional 15% with uh, a term loan repayable. And uh, so they're just, they, they've implemented a new strategy basically saying that uh, as anything above that 65%, the borrower doesn't, can't get access to anymore. Uh, and that's the change that for some institutions, they have to tweak their credit product to ensure that that it doesn't happen uh after the uh fiscal so, year end 2023 trevor so sorry to interrupt i got I, like i want to make sure people understand what you're saying right so um so the first piece is uh let's use me as an example i did a refi a couple months ago right and i go and i um get a get a home appraisal right and the home appraisal back in March ends up being, I'm going to make it up, uh, home ended up coming in at a million dollars, right? This is before the interest rates increases actually took, really took effect. Um, I'm dealing with the credit union. And in the province of Ontario, credit unions can go up to 80% loan to value. So let's assume incomes and everything, credit rating, the whole bit, it all checks out that I get to have access out of the million, $800,000, right? Mortgage, let's for easy math, is three hundred thousand, and therefore I would have access to five hundred thousand of a home equity line of credit. Are we good? Am I good so far uh, in my example, Trev? Yeah. So I, I think the better way, then, since we're using no, but then a million dollars. Yeah. Sorry. Well, no. Then I'm saying then this, this global limit, comes in, right? 
So then my, this, this, this rule comes in, in, in fiscal year of 2023. And yep. how do they refigure what the new value is? Like, do they just send out a random appraiser and go, Hey, it's now no. worth only nine. And who, who pays nope. for that? So touch on that nope. piece of it, I think. Okay. No, no appraisal, no appraisal. It's based on when the collateral charge or mortgage registration was completed. So in your case, if the, the collateral registration, mortgage registrations took place, um, well, yeah, depend, your product would be collateral registration now. Uh, so it'll be that date. So based on that, okay, it the, the valuation, the 65% loan to value, 80% loan to value will be based on that. Being with the credit union obviously is provincially regulated, not federally regulated. So they don't have to adhere to what OSFI is saying uh, or implementing. Right. Uh, but like I had mentioned to you, the likelihood that financial, you know, Ukrainians like Duke, uh, First Ontario, Meridian, uh, Desjardins, um, you know, if we start looking out west, uh, Van City and, and so on, you're definitely going to see a lot of those credit unions will shift, especially if the government changes um, the insurability criteria on how, mm -hmm. which, you know, we talked about on previous episodes, the stuff that goes on in the background, if that stuff changes, there's a high likelihood that the credit unions will also follow suit just because they need to insure their book of business, right? They need to insure it so that they can get more money to lend out to more people. Right. So the people, so basically if, if, if their back end is over leveraged because they can't get insurability that tightens up the money supply and they, then the, it, it all trickles down down the line, right? So getting mortgages are, uh, so, uh, will this impact carry on, uh, Trev question? Will nope. Impact so nope, no issues with Terry on. Um, it's literally just a lending criteria that's going to change for borrowers. Um, so simple enough, uh, you know, and again, I, I can't stress enough. You can still do up to 80%, but the readvanceable. So those individuals that want that line of credit product and who doesn't want that line of credit product? It, it offers you access to typically large amounts of capital in uh, very quick order. So that's the nice thing about having it. It just, just means you're not going to have access to the ability to, you know, unlock, right? Because certain lending products, you know, Bondo used the term global limit. If it's already been registered at that higher amount, it's easy enough to just really do a little bit of paperwork and get access to that money again without right uh oh you can uh -oh. avoid an appraisal sorry we're saying uh oh on my free oh, yes yeah. you're freezing so oh, just okay. rewind it a wee bit so we we yeah, lost okay. you at we lost you at uh just do a little bit of paperwork so give but give examples like give actual examples of what you mean by this because you might be losing some people. Like, so for example, what do you mean by the appraisal's already been done? You just do a little bit of paperwork and get access to it if it's been registered. What did, like, I know yeah, what so, you mean. Yeah. Like, you know, there's there's lending products out there like the the, the Scotiabank Step, um, you know, the, the Meridian, uh, it's called a flex line, the TD flex line. Uh, whereas if you're already previously approved for a set dollar amount, 
and you're not asking to go over that dollar amount. So pick a number, you know, if, if we're going to use your example of a million dollars and uh, you're already approved for 800,000, 80% of the million, you're yeah. not going above that $800,000, right? By, by going back to the institution, they've already registered it for the million. It's already in place. You already have access to the 800,000. It's easy enough to just do a little bit of paperwork in this example. So like your value is down to say 650,000, right? Cause this is 65% so, of that. So now the value what's down to 650,000. You, you've paid your, you've paid your credit products, your okay. mortgage, your line of credit, everything down from 800. You're down to 650 now, 65%. So, so now the bank would recognize, okay, you've got, 350,000 worth of equity in this, we're prepared to recognize under your mortgage, but beside it, a line of credit? That no, works so, no, we've already got the line of credit in place, right? Okay. You've already got that line of credit, um, the way most For of these- a, Well, no, the way a lot of those institutions do them, like Scotia and, and uh td and everybody is mm -hmm. as you pay it down so yes you could potentially start with a one dollar line of credit but as you pay it down the line of credit now you've got access to two dollars the mortgage piece you pay it down access yep. to two dollars access to three dollars and so on so at 650 then we have access to 150. 150. yeah so the new rule that's coming out is saying you, the institution, the federally regulated institution, can't give that 150 to the borrower. The borrower has to go through a whole new application process, all requalify, new appraisal, new legals, new everything in Nasty. order to have any consideration to have that $150,000 unlocked. Because be, because they want to, they're basically mandating that they stay to the sixty five. Whereas before it was a guideline to stay to the sixty five percent loan to value. Sixty five was always well since like 2012, 2013 was always there. Yeah. Uh, that was when they had implemented it. That it was you know pulled back from eighty to sixty five. Place they don't want. Uh, what they don't want to have happen in, in the easiest explanation is the term like I use that you asked about, what do I mean by just a little paperwork? Yeah. They don't want this to be just a little paperwork to get you an extra 150,000. And the reason OSFI, very high level, why they're doing this is they do not want, they're trying to protect in the event of a downturn in the real estate market. They want to make sure that the that we as consumers aren't in over our head and lenders aren't in a greater position of loss if the value of the home drops and it's not worth what they lend you money originally based upon. So so here's the question though. How would I think what's confusing for a lot of people is in F23, how are they going to prove that the home value, if you just re-registered your mortgage um, in, you won't, let's say, March of 2022? You won't be able to. And everything's in place. You're you're no more than 80% or no more. Let's say I'm dealing with RBC. It's a million bucks. Um, I have access, 65% uh, 
home appraisal, I have access to 650,000 mortgage of 300,000 and a mortgage and a home equity line of credit of 350,000, right? Um, this comes into play. The only way that I would have been able to have gotten more than 650,000 is if I got it reappraised and the appraisal came back higher than a million. Am I correct? So like to, to get more? Yes. Initially, if you got it reappraised and it would give you up to 80, sometimes they would bump you up to 80, 80% loan to value. Right. So maybe they would, they would recognize 80% of your equity. Now they're sticking at the 65% and saying too bad. If you've got equity over 65%, we're not recognizing it and we're not lending you money and using your home as security under this line of credit above 65% loan to value. Right. But the yeah. federal institutions have always been 65%. Well, they haven't but, always. So been. then what's Again, the deal? I don't understand. The, the yeah. difference oh, being, like I said, is so Manulife, the Manulife one is a great example. Yes. Yes. Depending on, you know, what type of product you have with them. Uh, like if you're, if you're using like their equity program or their small business owner program, they'll only do 50% loan to value. And I'm not saying that to kind of confuse people. I'm just trying to, you know, for the That's four of us Life explain. Does. Yeah. So they do 50 or they do 65. So Manulife has already said, you know, they, they've sent an announcement out to, you know, brokers and, and other advisors that use the Manulife one through like your channel, Curry. Yep. And, and basically what they've done is they said, listen, our product is already designed this way. So, you know, a million dollar appraisal, you need $800,000. But the line of credit, 650 period, the 150,000, it's principal and interest repayment. And no matter what you do, no matter how nice you ask, they're never going to give you that 150 again. They're going to give you the 650. They won't give you the 150. I think you need that's Starlink basically there. where the, the other banks. Beat. What's right. that? You For need the time until yeah. they change the rules again. Right. But no, well, finish it, your thought, Trev. Yeah. And, and the, the industry is always evolving. Right. But so final thought on that is the other institutions right. have always had for lack of a better term, a loophole built into way, the way they do their collateral registrations, the way they sell their product that, oh, hey, Josh, you know, Jeff, Brandon, you need that extra 150K? No problem. We've got a way to take care of it. Government saying, we're done with this. We don't want this to happen anymore. We're going to give you until end of fiscal 2023. So, you know, all the big five banks, big six banks, if you account national bank in the mix is October 31st, 2023. Uh, the, you know, the monoline lenders of the world, like, uh, you know, MCAP group of companies, which is RMG paradigm quest and all those December 31st, 2023. Got it. So. Did he finish that good enough for you, Brent? Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of confusion that 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 is out very simple very simple concept 
Very simple concept. There shouldn't be. You're just adjusting and. No, there is a ton of confusion because I'm speaking to I'm speaking to clients that there's a lot of confusion because they don't understand how it's collateralized. They don't understand how it's registered, right? And in all honesty, Curry, and no one actually, and no one at the bank explains it. They just go, "That's the biggest problem." And and think about when this announcement came out, right? What did I do? I sent you guys the link to Osfi right through our, our group chat that we have on the go. I sent it out to you guys and basically like, here we go again, you know, type of, you know, smart ass comment. And then Curry, you and I, you were like, Trev, I need more info right away because you're like, I know I'm going to be fielding questions in the next couple of days with clients. Let me know. Right. And the conversation you and I had mm-hmm. versus what we're talking about now, I, I don't know how much you recall of that conversation, but this has evolved, right? Like, we have a lot more clarity today than we had, you know, 10 days ago, two weeks ago when it got announced and I was telling you about it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I guess it's maybe people aren't getting good advice. Anytime I register a collateral, I just let them know, look at that line of credit portion. you got to renegotiate with the bank. If you ever want more money, there's a negotiation that has to be had with the bank and it's not guaranteed. But well, not that, only that, it says right in the fine print that they can recall that home equity line of credit at any time. It's a demand and note. It's a demand note. But, but here's, again, usually when in default, right? Well, no, I, I, I can tell you a story where default doesn't even play into the equation and it was an issue. Um, but, you know, Bondo, you and I have had this portion of the conversation where you do that as the solicitor, but how many files that, you know, these closing services, I won't yep. name them. I'm yep. not, I, and it's not meant as a criticism to them either. Oh, for sure. But when people use those closing services, who is the closing service there to represent? The yep. financial institution. 100%. They tell you very flat out, if you want proper legal advice, we're not going to give it to you because we're representing whoever, name the bank. Yeah. That's where you come in. But it becomes a cost game, Trev. You know that, right? Absolutely. So we can do it all internally here for $600 or yes. you go see a lawyer and it's going to cost you more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was yeah, smiling on his face. <laughs> no, but it, what, what, what's more, most people, are you going to pay $1,200 or are you going to pay? They're going to save the few bucks. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and then also you've got the institutions that are paying that cost. In so then those people cases. that are saving the five and $600 are now those same people that are sitting here scratching their head saying, I never got that advice. Yeah. Right. Well, you know what? You shouldn't have taken the $600 option. You should have got the advice from a professional that would have said, look, hey, this is the way it's structured. You're not guaranteed access to these funds. It's got to be negotiated at that point in time. The only thing that you're saving is the cost of re-registration. Yeah. And so a uh, quick little story to what we're discussing. I, I guess that you guys are aware that I'm trying to get on the show. Uh, he's based out in British Columbia. And uh, he's told this story many a times when I've been at conferences and stuff that he has been presenting at. And the scary reality of a home equity line of credit and how it is a demand loan. Yes, Bondo, you are correct that typically it requires it to be in default before an institution is going to call it back. But this individual, and if we can get him on, I'm nervous sure. here because I've never seen one. So, yeah, I, and I'm sure we can probably get him to share the story and talk about it. But he actually had a client out in BC that had an unfavorable story posted in a newspaper. 
the institution saw he was a self-employed individual. There was an unfavorable story posted in the newspaper. The institution saw it and the institution called in the line of credit. No way. The client from how the, the, the individual that shared the story with me explains it is fortunately that his client was financially liquid, that he was able to manage it and take care of it. But imagine if you're that individual that isn't, what do you do now? Sell your house. Well, and here's the thing. In 2019, according to Statistics Canada, 30 to 40%, I can't remember the the exact number, were around was around they this has been this was self uh divulged um in a survey. They were two hundred dollars a month away of an emergency fund of some sort coming up from going bankrupt or not being able to, to pay for that, for that fund. Um, I don't know what you guys, but fuel alone has gone up a month by 200 bucks. Not, 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 not even including groceries. So yeah. to your point, Trevor, and, and I jokingly said back then, uh, when I was asked to comment on it, I said, that's only, it's actually higher than that. Um, that's 30 to 40% of Canadians who actually know their finances and actually know that they're paycheck to paycheck. Um, it's a lot higher than that. A lot of people don't realize these small little nuances, nothing gets explained to them at the bank. They just take these loans and they walk away with them and they don't know, like, you know, I'm not saying everyone on this call is, is, you know, experts at this, but at least we could probably tell you how our cash flow is every single, every single month, right? Like we could give you a pretty damn good idea. Um, we're in the vast, we're in the major minority. minority. Yeah. We're the massive minority in that. Uh, there are people who I sit down with to do financial plans for. And one of the major questions are, you know, what's your, they know what their mortgage payment is nine times out of 10. They know what they pay. They don't know what the balance is. They don't know what the interest rate is. They don't know how long it's locked in for. They don't know what the amortization is for. And we know, statistically <clears throat> speaking, that is the majority of Canadians' largest purchase that they'll ever make. And they have no idea. So yeah. back to what we were saying before, it isn't a simple concept. Loan of value is not very direct because if people can't tell me what their mortgage payment is, or what their amortization is, or what their interest rate is, which is fairly basic, they guarantee you don't even read the small print or even listen to what a lawyer tells them. It's, it's, this is scary. Uh, I think what Jeff was saying earlier, there's a lot of pain coming. And um, which leads us into like the recession talk. As don't of right sorry, now- don't, don't confuse what I'm saying in terms of the concept being simple. It is a simple concept. Sometimes does it fall on hard ears? 100% still doesn't change the fact that it's a simple concept. It is a simple concept. It's just, I don't think people really realize what, what they're in for. hundred percent. I don't, I don't, think I don't believe as all of us can attest to that. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't listen when they tell. Uh, Island girl just basically said saying amortization to a layperson is like trying to talk fish, fish to a dog. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. They, they, and then, a lot of the things too that it, which which I had I've I've had to catch it a couple times and and Trevor you know this uh, as I've renewed a couple of mortgages through you, um, 
they try to make that they'll they'll automatically re-amortize at 25 years if your initial amortization amortization was 25 to make just have a lower quicker. payment yeah right like they'll they'll like some of these people will like be you know get locked in or you know they'll want you to go to the five-year fix because that they make more money on the five-year fix and then they'll re-amortize and, and i've said many times so when you went to go renew did you did you do at north that the normal amortization schedule of 20 or did you bump it back to 25 oh i've got no idea even skip down to 15 sometimes even, you know that's that's what you can do well and, which and I, that's what i've done yeah that's one of the great things about a collateral mortgage product right like you've got you know it the the so like Scotiabank step will use the global limit, right? Here's the, the the top of the umbrella amortized over 30 years. So we can qualify you, but let's say you want to pay it off in 10 or 15, but you can't qualify for the whole umbrella at 10 or 15. We just do the mortgage portion at 15 or 10, the whole thing at 30. But you know, this is this is a conversation that I have with clients a lot that they need to realize when you're dealing with a broker, access to all products, there's a certain level of disclosure that we have to go through. We talk about it. Um, you don't get that. It's, I guess the, you know, a good analogy would be Bondo, the real lawyer, the closing service, and mm -hmm. you know, the broker that's going to explain everything and the terms, definitions, conditions versus going to the bank. And it's just like, yeah, sign here, 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 here. Right. I take the time to explain it to the client. So they understand before they're signing their life away. So what do you think about the idea they're floating out there about a 50 year amortization? Oh, I don't think we're ever uh, keep in mind when, so I started in, in, uh, January, 2008, we had 40 amortizations at the point. That's as high as we went. Right. Yeah. The highest we went. The U.S. See, had a 50-year amortization. I can see them floating there because the banks will love it and all that. But it's like, I, I think the people would jump on that so much just to have the lower payments. But they're never going to get ahead if they're doing something like that. It's crazy. Oh, God, no. I mean, they had 40-year AMs in Australia. And like basically as a, let's say, a 30-something-year-old, um, you know, that would probably be able to afford a house back then. You know, I'm talking about the early 2000s you're never going to be more, you're never going to be retired mortgage free. It's never, it's statistically not going to happen if you take a 40 year. Hey, have you seen that out there being floated around though? Like I've seen those stories right now. With the I've years. seen, I've seen potentially, uh, I've seen, um, opinion articles to be fair, opinion yeah, on, opinion. on the 30, 100% coming back, like mm -hmm. here to stay insured and insured 30 and, years and, still here and entertaining. 35 and 40 years yeah. entertaining it back. That's the solution to get people to afford housing again. Again, those right. were options previously. Um, you know, for, for those that are listening or watching and, and curious when I, so when I bought my first house, 2008, bought it for 162 grand. Niagara was great then. <laughs> and uh, right. uh, you can amortize for 40 years, $162,000. If I took 42, excuse me, 40 years, pay it off based on the interest rates at that time, which, you know, five-year posted was 7.2 in 2008. So there's another piece for people here that are freaking out over five and a half percent for a five-year fixed right now. This is not that bad. Uh, so 7.2, it would have taken... 
If it took me the 40 years to pay it off, I did an amortization Whoa, schedule Island on it. Girl. Island girl. We're 400. We're old Niagara people here. We love Niagara. It's great now. It, it would have cost 400000 for the $162,000 house if I took the 40 years to pay it off. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah. it's yeah, but the difference in interest rates back then, 7.2, you had average mortgages of 160, 200, right. whatever. Now the average mortgage is 500, 600,000. It's not as bad as Kitchener. Margins of scale. Alan Girl's coming out with the tweets. Look at that. Well, this, is, jabs. this is good. This is good. We're Niagara boys here. Order uh, bread. Uh, now, you know what I've been saying a few times is uh, some clients going to refinance. Full stop. Can't. Oh, For, can't at all, eh? say, that, say that again. Full stop. Bank's not letting them. Or the lending institution. I wouldn't say bank. Just say not no. letting them until the end of their term. Yeah. Um, oh, she's waiting on she's waiting on movers right now. So just busting balls. Hey, that's okay. That's good. That's, um, that's... What, I, I don't uh, know if, if the banks or or lending institutions will take away your ability to refinance. Does it make sense? Income for them. That's a lot of revenue for them. Lenders, when we've requested payouts, send yep. a, a correspondence back saying this is a closed term. You are not permitted to pay it out until this date. Period. Full stop. Twice now. But well, what institution? Not... I won't say. Okay, we'll was... talk about it another time. I'm curious. Yeah. Right? Like, because you've got, you have lenders that will put um, bona fide sale clauses. Nope. On contracts, you'll have lenders that'll put in um, non-transferabilities. Well, bonafide sale, I think, obviously, right? I think, obviously, on a bonafide sale, that everybody has the ability to to uh, pay out their mortgage. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's the the only way you're breaking this mortgage is bonafide sale, right? Correct. So Correct. That's, uh, there, there's lenders have their their products, right? Their ways of of doing things essentially what I see a lot of is the ability to capitalize and force you, the consumer into having to eat a penalty. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of penalty eating right? sucks. I always tell people talk, talk to Trevor, see your penalty is they don't, a lot of people that have no idea they even have a penalty. Yeah. They don't yeah. understand their mortgage. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's sad. It's sad to, to Curry's point. I'm not trying to say that he's wrong. I think there's a crap ton of people that don't understand what they have, but it doesn't make it that it's I'm not it's not complex. It's just they're not being explained the simplistic aspects of it. Well, not yeah, it's 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 not it, it's I just think that it's kind of crazy that um we have you know, we have people that have these basically these these massive amounts of loans and they don't know what they've got and i think it's just it's pathetic um well, they should almost initial acknowledge exactly here's your penalty like, oh but even still that doesn't that doesn't like mean that. anything there's ways oh, ways to get out of it right well so, the difficulty is, is sometimes they say cost of borrowing or um, um it's three months worth of interest or interest, or rate, interest rate, rate differential right and the thing is nobody think explains it, something complicated Take a client through an interest rate differential calculation. 
one, you have no idea what the interest rates will be that you're calculating. So you mm -hmm. really yep. can't even put them in a good footing to tell them what that penalty is. That's all you can tell them is you're going to pay the greater of three months worth of interest or an interest rate differential. And in most instances, unless you're paying out in the last six months of your term, you're going to be paying significantly more than three three months worth of interest. And then you show or, them the calculator trying to manipulate this, right? Or if you went with a variable or an adjustable rate mortgage, three months Correct. interest, Correct. period. Yeah. The so there's a, it's the fixed rates out there that are getting dinged with the three months interest or IRD right. interest rate. If interest rate different. On that point, what happens yes. if you have a variable that you lock in? Then it reverts to the terms of fixed. That's what I thought, right? So yeah. Leaving in the middle there. Jeez. Wow. Urgency. I heard something squeak there. So I think he's trying to find my trailer. Yeah, my boy. He's looking for my trailer right now. Take the man out of well and can't take the well out of the man. Like, I mean, it's just hilarious. Yeah. So, I, Island Girls got a comment uh, or a question. Yeah, uh, they wouldn't make a profit that. if there um, if there was a payout before the period. Correct. That's how uh, I understood the early termination clauses penalties. <clears throat> to be honest with you they make a profit. Banks like to tell you they don't make any money off of the mortgage. You know, they're losing money, administrative cost. At the end of the day, if that was true, that they didn't make any money off of you, then why do? how do we have monoline lenders like the MCAP group of companies, First National, to name the two largest monoline institutions, where all they do for a living is mortgage financing, right? If there wasn't any profits in it, the penalty calculations, the early clauses, that's their way of padding the books, right? And right. you've got lending instituting apples to apples. I'm going to use uh, a monoline lender and I'm going to use one of the big five banks in, in this explanation. I won't, I won't say who they are, but a monoline institution, again, because their only business is mortgages. Monoline is an is is one line of business, right? So all they do for a living in this case is mortgages because we're talking mortgages. No credit cards, no savings. <laughs> no credit, account. yeah, no credit cards, no bank accounts, no investments, nothing. Mortgages only lane that they travel in, and the way because this is the only type of business that they deal in, the way a monoline institution calculates their interest rate differential penalty is extremely different than the way a bank and a lot of credit unions are calculating it. The short of how the banks and credit unions calculate it is they take your posted rate. So not the rate that they gave you. Like if you've got a rate of, you know, 3.99, 2.99, 1.49, that's your contract rate. They, that, yeah, they've discounted it from, maybe originally 4.99 or 5.49%. And then they've done the discount. The banks and credit unions will take the difference between the two and they will apply it to the point that you're trying to pay out the mortgage. And that's where you get a greater disparity between the what your new contract rate would be, the, the what they're using to calculate the penalty, because they're nabbing that discount and applying it, even though it wouldn't apply 
that's how they do it to manipulate it in their favor. The way the mono line lenders do it is they take that contract to contract, period. This is what we're losing because we gave you a rate of one and a half percent. You know, we're back in 2020 again. Gave you a rate of one and a half percent. We can sell this money to the next person for three percent. Okay, we're making more off of that person. So we're going to charge you interest. Flip those numbers around and we gave you a rate of 3%. And now we can only sell it for one and a half percent. That difference, we, the institution, we want you to pay that to us. And that's where the interest rate differential penalty gets calculated. Yeah. I'm speaking very high level, oh, and, no. you know, in the explanation, but I think that in all of my years doing this, I've found that that's the most simplistic way for clients to actually grasp. And, you know, kind of finishing that thought there, again, they make money off of their mortgage, uh, the mortgage payments that are coming in. They're making money off the penalty as well by doing it. They don't gouge you the same way the banks do. So they're always making money. It doesn't just come down to when the penalty gets triggered. So you're telling me banks well, actually gouge you? Yeah, go figure. Um, but it's uh, so, and then Island Girl goes like, this is also why I stick to accounting and not into finance. And yeah, um, that's why I always say to people, like when we always talk, um, when people ask questions, finance more so is like healthcare than anything else. And it sounds really stupid. Whenever you do ask a doctor, it's like, well, what would happen if this, or what would happen if that, or what's the re my reaction to this? And they'll always say it depends. Every doctor will say, unless they, unless they do a deep dive and do like a physical or something like that on you, a checkup, they'll always say it depends because it's science and it's health and it, it there's no clear linear um, to, to where it should go. And finance is the exact same way. Like when people ask for advice on what they should do with this, that, or the other thing, it's just like, the answer is it depends because it can literally, it, it constantly changes in what's going on. Um, yeah, finances for people that like, she's just full of them today. This is, uh, this is good. And yes, I like statistics. I do. I love it. Um, what's that? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I am that guy. I'm that guy. Um, self-admittedly, that's fine. Should change your tag to ball buster. What's that? Should take her, change your tag to ball buster. <laughs> but the final thing uh, that I want to chat about is the potential of a recession. Um, so what we're seeing and hearing right now from all, a lot of our fund partners and, you know, people that are way, way smarter than I, um, that, and that is a recession is not likely right now at the moment with the data, the way it is, um, you have to understand where we, as an economy, uh, in, in Canada, we're statistically at full employment, technically speaking, the U S is in the mid threes of unemployment rates. Um, I think Canada's in the high fours, if I remember correctly. Um, oh, thanks. So, so well, you, did you thanks say that? Anytime, we love ball Any, busting. Anytime, yeah, yeah, you gotta bring it. Like, more we don't more ball busting, the better. It will give us interaction. Were you, were um, you saying that, that we're, you don't figure that we, you don't figure that we are heading for a recession? Like, or, so or, or, or a hard recession, like, so there's two things that when we talk about recessions, there's technical recessions yeah, and then there's hard recessions, which okay. everyone feels right. right? Okay. 
So when, when people talk about recessions, it's what do they feel? Right. And the, and usually your tagline is a recession is when someone else loses their job. A depression is when you lose yours. (laughs) Right. Um, It's just, it's all, it's all relative to what you're experiencing at the moment. Um, A technical recession, and this has been enshrined in Canadian, this is passed uh, uh, by the Harper government, believe it or not, uh, in 2012, but don't quote me on that one. They recognize that a a technical recession is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP contraction. Okay? So Canada has not had, has not seen, well, we won't know what Q2 looks like June 30th until August, but Q1, we were positive. We had positive GDP growth in Canada. I think we're going to have positive GDP growth in Canada as well for Q2. What is driving that? Natural gas and oil and fuel. That's what's driving it. Now, I'm not saying that that's not sitting, you know, basically that's not a house of cards because you need to, you need to go, what, what is real GDP? Uh, and you got to strip out sometimes volatile things like natural gas and oil in order to really figure out what the GDP growth is. But I still think Canada has a lot more in the tank to get us through this year without seeing a technical recession. The U.S., although that is a consumer-based economy that I've said many times, is sitting at mid-threes of the, uh, in unemployment. But on top of that, they had uh, Q1 contraction in their GDP. It's quite possible that if retail spending doesn't go according to plan, that they very well might have two consecutive quarters of negative GDP contraction. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, that potentially could happen. And I think I think that might be what we're in right now. Um And that's the other thing too. No one really talks about Canada when they talk about a recession. Because if you guys all remember back in 2009, 2010, we never experienced the global financial crisis like the U.S. and and most of the European Union did. Um, A big thing for that. Big thing for that though is that we we had control over our mortgages and our bad debt, right? Like, well, that's it. We didn't We're have technically amortizations and things like that. We didn't get crazy with it. And I, and I actually remember having this debate in, in university 20 some odd years ago. And basically, because that's when they, you know, when Paul Martin in, in the late nineties passed uh, the like stricter federal banking restrictions and people were ticked off that their friends in the States could be, it was it ended up being the wild west when you compared the two countries um, well, that actually ended up saving us. Um, and so that was the, it, it was, it was eerily because it, it took about eight years before he got proven right, but that's very short in a, in, in a financial sense. You also have to remember too, that when you compare the methodologies of Canada and the U S figuring out their unemployment rate, um, they're not the same. So I've heard a lot of people also say that, um, oh, the U.S. is doing better. They're 1% lower or 1.5% lower. I think we're at maybe at five, let's say. And, you know, the U.S., for argument's sake, is at three and a half, let's say. 
well, they're one and a half percent lower. They know what they're doing, yada, yada, yada. That's actually not true. Um, if you using the, there was a great article I read um, coming out of the global financial crisis from 2011 to 2014. If you would take the employment data of Canada and compare that to the US, but using the US methodology, it would have knocked 1% of unemployment off of Canada's unemployment rate. Hmm. It would have lowered it by 1%, hmm. which is, that's significant. That is massive. And, and what was the percentage then? Well, uh, I can't remember, but I, I don't remember what the the comparative, but it lowered Canada's unemployment rate by 1%. Which, so using, let's say, 35 million people back then, that would be instantaneously taking 350,000 people out of the labor market sure. and saying that they're, they're either gainfully employed or they're not looking for work. Because those are your three categories, right? employed, unemployed, or not looking for work. And they're, the definitions between the two countries are completely different and what they, what they use. So you also can't compare apples to apples when you're comparing the unemployment rate between the two countries, because it's not the same. So I didn't know go. that. I didn't know that. Um, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I found that pretty interesting. And I, and I, uh, I just think the second that. half of this year is going to be super interesting. Let's see what happens. It's going to be, it, it, it is, it's going to be, uh, really interesting. <clears throat> I think my advice to, I guess, to people, um, I, I always do it. Um, <laughs> comparing 100%. Canada to the U S is like comparing <laughs> apples to hand grenades. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I, I think I would strongly advise when, as we head into the fall and some costs start to normalize or start to come down, um, or at least stay stagnant, I would strongly advise people to do a cash flow statement. Um, and I would strongly advise that they review that cash flow statement every single month. I do. Um, and making sure not that, this summer uh, though know, we already established not that this the summer of the it's the summer of joy it's the budgets don't matter money grows on trees summer mm -hmm. yes just yeah, wait not even close end of the summer your bar is going to have even more booze on it <laughs> i don't know if that's even possible oh 100 <laughs> it is i'm running well, i'm running out of it that's, that's, a, that's a stack bar those are small bottles gonna, though you gotta get the texas we'll add some shelves we'll have Time some to add you know what our shape looks like Curry, I make money. My wife spends it, and if she wants me to, she wants to spend more money. She tells me to work more. That's how it. Oh, works. really? Very simple. <laughs> Wait until you see what we have on the Wise Guys auction this year, buddy. Yeah, you are gonna go crazy. Oh yeah. Nice diamond rings, diamond rings, huh? Oh yeah, diamond necklaces. Yeah. Get some, get some barrel saunas. I need to buy a barrel sauna. I finally got my hot tub from the Wise Guys charity. <laughs> We need a contact for a barrel sauna that's uh, reputable that we can work with. You got Can't anybody? be the one I started with. Fifteen I grand. Hey, we need another five grand, and we're not going to give you it. I'm about to order you. another one. Did you contact them, Jeff? Who? Anyways, I digress. The the barrel sauna people at a Sudbury. No, no, I got I got someone who's a um, Enviro Niagara referred me to somebody who's been pretty good. Nice. 
I'll have the to remember might have and I'll contact them for the wise guys or get you the contact and I'll I'm gonna mention them on here because they were fabulous to deal with. Who's that? Did you know the wise guys too? Speaking of that with my hot tub, they they, they gave quite the discount on the accessories I needed for my hot tub too. They were awesome when I went to uh, Sunrise Spas. Fantastic. Nice. Fantastic. Yeah, they were great. So oh, Sunrise Spas. Yeah. Fantastic. They're a phenomenal company. Yeah. Phenomenal company. I do have like, one of my jets is broken though. I gotta I gotta send oh. her a picture of it and all that, but we'll see what so happens. Story behind yeah, that. They'll get it rectified for you quick. <laughs> well, it was just loose and all that. We took it off, and there's just like the thing underneath was cracked. So I was like, oh. So she said, just send me a picture. So we'll see. Curry looks like he's smelling a fart or something. He's mid fart. He looks mid fart smell. That's. I just want to. Something happened there. He had a, a little accident. Hello there, sir. I want to throw. I don't know what happened. I just like knocked right out there. It good old good. internet. Yeah, that was a good spot what to happened? stop. And I, I didn't, you just why? What first. was I saying? No, you just oh, you weren't saying anything. Head. You were frozen. You look like you, you ever watch Friends when he said, "If you want to look really serious, Joey, that you got to pretend someone farted in the room." That you... <laughs> oh, really? You, you had that <laughs> pause look. It was great. It was like mid fart. Oh, damn it! Just to be on the lighter side of uh, all the uh, the doom and gloom talk, which I. That, that you know, I I'm interested to see what the real estate market's going to do when August and September hits because July is just not. Nobody it's normally cares slow, right anyways, it's, it's, right? Oh yeah, it's always oh, slow. So every transactions July. that happen now, July, August, we dealt with them a, a couple months ago. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, right. So it's it'll so be interesting what happens. Like and, everyone's like, oh, nothing selling, nothing. I'm like, it's July. Think about what's uh, going on. You're at the beach. You're at the cottage. You're with sports for kids. You know, it's campfires at night. It's it's just not a fully engaged market right now, which there's people standing by also see what happens with the with the rates and if the prices slide down. But there's still still houses that are going multiple offers going over list and stuff, too. So it's it's not people, as crazy as people it's, think. It's having a it's, it's having a fire in a mud pit, right? Is, is that what you're doing now? Jeff? There's a, there's, that's what I'm doing right now because I can't yeah. get Internet, but uh, I'm plugging away. I'm enjoying the last couple uh, weeks at my house. We'll see. Jeff, like, I've heard. Uh, have you not been able to get internet at your new house? No, I haven't. I, oh. I heard Starlink's really good, though. I should get that going, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think, so. uh, yeah. I think it's like hey. fifteen hundred bucks to get it started, and then you're one hundred fifty bucks a month or something with the Starlink. Get it? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's it's nine hundred nine hundred and thirty one dollars, including the shipping of the dish and everything to your house. To your uh, RV, right? I can't do it to a house. So it's got to be. RV, no, no, no. Right? it goes to the house. You just have to pay the extra 25 bucks. So it works out. It's 170 a month for the service. Yeah. Okay. I, I just want to throw something out there just in terms of some update on some legislation. You know, it's legal. So it's a uh, boring as old shit, but just to update our, our client listeners uh, who may have businesses, we have another piece of legislation that came into effect in uh, December, 2021, but it's coming down or it came down, the hammer came down uh, June of 2022. Essentially, it's the uh, Working for Workers Act 2021. And essentially, the crux of it is threefold or the big uh, points of it is threefold. One, employers who have 25 or more employees are now required to um, include a policy that uh, permits them to disconnect from work outside of work hours. Um, 
so we can get into more more into detail on that in a different episode it prohibits uh uh non-competition agreements with employees which we pretty much had on the common law anyways and uh some licensing for temporary recruiting agency and headhunters and stuff like that but the big one there is just employers that have more than 25 employees are technically required to have a policy in place that uh, speaks to employees not engaging in work-related communications, including emails, telephone calls, video calls, et cetera. Uh, and as always, there's certain exceptions that apply. So just so a little snippet of food for thought from the boring legal world. Well, thank you. There's <laughs> nothing boring in the legal world, Bond. Nothing. <laughs> but listen, policy, 25 plus people disconnect from work. A little funky, obviously, right? Uh, but yeah, you have to have it. All right. Uh, well, we're going to we're going to wrap up. I oh, my God. I can eat a good so idea, hungry. right? I'm so this time has just flown by today. <laughs> yeah. It did. No, literally, an hour and 45 yeah. minutes just flew right by. Yep. Um, well, uh, first first and foremost, uh, thanks to everyone that listens, that participates. This time, uh, thank you, Island Girl, Island Girl 1980, yeah. for uh, throwing in the cheeky comments. We needed that. Yeah. keeps us on our toes. Anyone that's listening, um, and can you please share and promote the podcast? That'd be great. Uh, to our sponsors, Brand Boulevard, thank you. And uh, Trev, we got an event coming up. Yeah, right. So something that's uh, near and dear to you know three of four of us. Uh, it's near and dear to Collins as well, but he just likes to uh, go and spend money. He doesn't. Uh, I doesn't donate every year. Time. I buy money the early year. I have that's zero what I time say. for the rest of it. So relax. Money. I'm contributing. I Oh, I know, but just busting your balls off. Wise Guys Shit, Charity uh, links up 100%. Wise Guys Charity, uh, great organization, 100% volunteer-based right here in Niagara. And, and aren't you uh, donating penny. your RV this year? Aren't you donating? Yeah, you could I'm probably get a good... Right on. Me, me and uh, Curry wait. would go in a in a auction craziness there. You'll Put have that to up. wait till you see Oh, my God. <laughs> RV will be donated this year. He's going to do that. and see. You'll have Pushes to wait my and blue see. Mountain have every year. Uh, we will do it. Take a dump in Trev's RV. That should be an auction. Yeah, there you go. An auction item. Jeff would bid on it. I would bid on it. I well, could find how, how much money can we really raise for the charity? If Jeff, we can raise enough money, I would do that. I, I can't say unless it's put on the auction line. I'll tell you. I'm going to put 100 bucks on it right now, Trev. We'll see. 100 bucks. We'll see. So, but for, for those that are listening, watching, we have the, uh, the auction coming up. Uh, so if you're listening to this prior to on Tuesday, July 19th, uh, we've got the silent auction ticket, excuse me, the live auction tickets are available. It's at Capola's restaurant in St. Catharines. Uh, tickets are available for it. And, uh, what we did last year that we're on doing the line. What One we're night. doing this year, like we had last, is we do have the silent auction available as well. Um, so that'll go live uh, probably a See? day before, I think, but it'll be uh, for sure on the See? 19th. Get out bid. See, Carrie uh, would partake in that. She wants to bid on the RV. Right. So just to clarify, <laughs> just to break for charity, for charity, Trev, for charity. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. 
We would prefer said, to have you there, see, right? Three of the four here donate some of their Silent stuff. Silent but deadly auction. Money, but good. one of them, Trevor, doesn't like to donate any of his possessions to it. So What are you talking? Dude, oh, don't even. The RV I have the RV up, bro. Do it for charity. This is for now. I have absolutely. So, I've donated to the charity. Yeah. So Curry knows okay, wholeheartedly. Like, I know. Yes, you know. Yes, I do. You've done. You've I don't done do the RV, but I. But I not give something that could break records in donations. This is what you want to say no to. You're saying no to Niagara. That's so here's a quick question. Put a, put a line there, rookie. Put a line. Trevor Lindy says no to Niagara donations or charity. <laughs> Just like Island Girl. Will not it's a, donate. Apparently, it's RV. a new headline. No Island Girls all over it. Same with oh, Mary. They, they all want to partake. Oh yeah, no, no. Like, apparently, but deadly auction. Perfect. There's the tagline. We we've got some action uh, on uh, on the RV. Yeah, the silent but deadly With, auction. That's good. Uh, without obviously getting into this, do we, uh, Curry? You know how much uh, uh, Bailey's beard generated for the shave and don't shave? Yeah, it was like a couple grand. Like it was yeah, significant. Nowhere near yeah. what Trevor's RV would would don't would get to. If you think it could get more than that, I Six would. I would that. absolutely. 100%. I would, I would, like I would win that figures. auction and I would have all my friends have a chili, chili bake off the day before and have them all come to your RV, <laughs> load it full and drop it back off the next day. <laughs> but it would be done for charity. Okay. Here. For Niagara, the if, place we all love. Okay. I'll, I'll throw out a deal here live. You okay. donate what starting bid, what? $7,500. I think we can get get 7,500 or more. We could get to donate a hundred bucks each and we all take the biggest sloppy shit ever in there. No, no, this RV goes for the night. It's whatever we want to do with it for the night. You want to put big numbers out there. You got to put, you know, how much is the RV worth, Trev? Are we buying this RV from you or? (laughs) No, no. No, no. Silent butt deadly auction. Look at there that. Lots of revenue streams. Island girls. This could be this could be bigger than the, the sunrise spas every year. And then yeah, at the end of it, we could go back up and say, anyone else who wants to do it, we can take it for another night. We could oh man, we could build parks. Just like the sauna. Right? We could build parks with I mean, it. Like the hot tubs. Two hot tubs. Yeah, two, two nights of Trevor's RV. Starting though, he, he doesn't even want to talk. It could be the white no. trash bash. No. Chili cook off oh, the, the night trash before. Bash. Oh, geez. Not How is that for a headline? Live auction, white trash. We're, we're bash. gonna see we're gonna see Katie Lindy come up in the silent the 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 comments right there. No. Nope. Nope. No. No. <laughs> talk shit about That's... my donations to white. Um, hey, <laughs> so, I didn't talk so, shit about your oh, Let's just get people uh, before we wrap up. We got to wrap it up, but but let's. What is Wise Guys? Wise Guys is created 31 years ago. Basically, there's three facets to it. There's Wise Guys, Wise Girls, and Wise Kids. So um, basically, you know, it's a men's only golf tournament with a massive, massive unisex, obviously silent auction and live auction. The silent you can register online. And uh, you can bid anywhere in Canada. It doesn't matter um, if you want to register. Just go to the website. The, the link will be live when, Trev, do you think, the, the online registration? Well, definitely it'll be active the 19th. Um, right. Uh, that That's my, you know, for those that are listening, watching, that's my side of what I do for the auction or, or part of my 
my uh, responsibilities. So we're trying ahead of time, but you know, vacations for people, it's uh, makes it a little more challenging. So hopefully we can get it up ahead of time. We're, you know, ideally if we can have it up and running by the weekend, uh, not this weekend, next weekend, like 16th, 17th, uh, when we're actually doing the setup at the hall, but definitely by the 19th at the latest. And for those listening, watching after, uh, we do this every year. We do it every year. So right. every year, win some money you know, in no here. It's yeah, every and, and we are and, and volunteer based. Well, and, just 100%. So, and just so you know that we are 100% volunteer based, we don't have any government funding. 100% of the money that we say we raised, we actually raised, and it all rolls back into Niagara. So, um, and let's and we be clear, we've done over four million since the charity's inception. Over four million dollars yeah. has gone back to Niagara. So the Tuesday, July nineteenth, we'll probably we'll probably raise. Let's just put a little star behind it. But mind you, last year we did really, really well in a pandemic yeah. year. So coming out. We expect to raise north of a hundred thousand uh, on the Tuesday night alone, just in live auction yeah. and silent auction. So, um, but so thank you to all the, uh, the 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 donors, the suppliers, the the volunteers, everything. It's great, near and dear to our hearts. Um, and uh, that is about it, uh, Bondo. Um, <laughs> help us, help us. Happy birthday to Jeff on the twelfth. That's hey, true. Boy. Help yep. us help you stay informed. Maybe I'll be in my house by then. Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. 
and Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. 